Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, I'm pleased to host the co-founder and chief sales officer of Vika Living. Vika Living a, makes rapidly deployable, um, designed and feature-packed housing units and is the best micro-housing on the market that solved for a $30 billion a year industry gap. Jeff is a sales leader and entrepreneur, and he loves advising founders and impactful nonprofits whilst also enabling the best of company culture and humanitarian needs. We will learn about Jeff, about the roles that he holds amongst this, and all the initiatives that he's leading and how companies can address their growth and culture amongst other things. Jeff, welcome. How are you doing today? That's great intro. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> That's a great way to start. I'm honored. Uh, I'm doing well, and it's it's great to be here and, and be a part of this podcast. Thank you. Wonderful. You know, we just before the podcast, we were exchanging where we're based. Uh, you know, I'm based here in London, UK. Um, tell us, you know, for the, for the audience purposes, where, where are you based? I know you're based in the US, but where? Sure. Yeah. I live and work remotely out of Charleston, South Carolina, which is a beautiful, wonderful place. If you've never been, I, I suggest visiting. I, I haven't been. Um, I haven't been to Carolina. I've been to several parts of the U.S., but uh, I'm from Toronto, as, as I told you before. But I used to travel quite a lot to, to the U.S., yeah. but, but never to uh, to Carolina. Lots of great things that uh, that I've heard of, and I know quite a few people from there as well. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And it really, I had not been here until about six years ago. Um, I'd always you know, heard about Charleston. And about six years ago, I was here on a business trip, fell in love with it. And my wife and I and our family, we moved here not long after. And we've been here ever since. Yeah. And it's all history, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, wonderful. So keen to hear about you, Jeff, and, um, you know, your journey as a as a leader, your personal journey, and um, you know how that intersect intersects with your professional journey. Tell us your you know pivotal points as well along the way. Sure. For me, I had the privilege of growing up in a family of you know basically risk takers, people who were not afraid to be entrepreneurs, to break out on their own, to try something, give it their all, and you know sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but both of those outcomes are just enormous value to the people who are going through it. So I grew up uh, seeing that firsthand it in some cases. I mean, starting to work when I was probably 10, 11 years old, you know, somewhere right around there and uh, chipping in with family businesses and things like that um, and seeing things firsthand, failures and success. And like I said, both are, are equally important. And so when I I was not afraid to try something new. And so I actually started my first business uh, right out of college and did that for 
oh, I don't know, about five or six years. Uh, not a huge success, but definitely a great learning experience. And um, then, then I've had several other companies along the way that I've started. And I've had the, the, the great gift of being able to be an entrepreneur and have that, you know, initial one person company, then grow it to the hot, you know, the, your next employee and then so on and so on, but then also work for a really large corporation and work for mid-sized businesses. And so where I'm at today in my career, everything in my, in my past is prologue and is just a culmination of great experience that I feel has armed me really well to be successful and impactful for my own company and others today, having all of those, you know, cumulative experiences kind of lead me to where I am right now. So I wouldn't change any of it, uh, even the ones that didn't work out very well, I wouldn't change a bit of it because it's so great to be able to learn and pull from those experiences and apply it in a practical way today, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And really keen to hear about, um, you know, some of those lessons that you've learned. But my takeaway from what you were just describing is, um, you know, you grew up in that setting of risk, risk takers, entrepreneurs, yeah. and you've worked in um, you know, in, in, in companies that you were the leader by yourself, but also medium-sized companies and established companies where you were, uh, you know, bringing in entrepreneurial approaches or being an entrepreneur and um, building companies. Uh, what, were there any scary moments during those, uh, during those periods? Yeah, there was, there was one particular company, um, I won't say their name. Uh, they they were. I was brought in in a leadership role to help, along with a few other people, create a brand new division within this rapidly growing company. And it was a great opportunity for me, and I, I really enjoyed it and worked with some fantastic people. There was a scary moment when that company we recognized. My team started recognizing that they were growing way too fast. And our division was successful. And what we were doing was sound, solid strategy, and we were executing and we were generating profit. We were doing well. And we were just kind of scratching the surface of, of the potential of what we could be doing. The other divisions in the company were scaling so fast, it was getting out of control. And we started recognizing the danger signs of that. And we it was scary when we started th seeing things outside of our department start crumbling because we knew, okay, at some point this is going to impact us. And sure enough, there was that moment where, okay, you know, the company grew way too fast and we're going to have to start laying people off. And that's scary because you look around and you feel responsible for all of these people on your team and their livelihoods and their families. And when you're in that situation where layoffs are happening, that's that's tough. Um, and that's that's a moment where, you know, you still have to be a leader. You still have to do you know what you can to help your team and be responsible to your company. And that was a that was a tough moment in my career going through that. But it was a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. And that propelled me forward into kind of a whole new era of my of my career and my professional life where I decided to take a little bit more control over the direction that I would go and really lean into um, the entrepreneur side of, of my professional life and start my own businesses and make sure that I could 
have a little bit more impact and say in the, in the direction of things rather than be, you know, a leader amongst a 2000 person, you know, company where it's going in 17 different directions. Yeah. So with that, with that uh, wisdom and experience in mind, what's wh wh where is your focus these days? Focus these days, uh, I have kind of two sides, really. I have a philanthropic side of, of my life that will always be there, and I'm happy to happy to touch on that. And in one, in some sense, they all kind of inform each other and, and help each other. But the professional side of things, uh, it's all about Vika Living right now. And Vika Living is a company I'm co-founder of, and we launched a little over a year ago. And as you mentioned uh, in the intro, uh, we're building microhousing, and it's an approach that is unique. Uh, it's something new for the industry, and it's it's really exciting to be a part of. And, and I feel like we are we are just right on the cusp of doing some extraordinary things, helping a lot of people. And I get really excited about when I see advances in any industry, but in particular, you know, real estate and anything, you know, just related to housing, because I have a long uh, background and history there as well. So yeah, Vika Living is what I'm focused on uh, wholeheartedly right now. And it's a thrill to be a part of that. T t tell us a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm really curious because... <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was uh, hearing about it and uh, I was reading a little bit about it, but uh, I'd, I'd really be keen. Sure. To, so yeah. most everyone now has heard of you know tiny homes, for example, uh, mm -hmm. becoming more and more popular globally. You know, just all over the place, and so. You know, if you have a, a typical tiny home, which is supposed to be less expensive, it's supposed to be the, you know, utilization of a smaller amount of space, yet still feel comfortable, cozy, you know, all of those things. It's a, it's a fantastic concept. And similar to tiny home, you hear the terms of ADUs and, and things like that. Well, what we see in the marketplace on, say, the commercial side of things, so you have a camping industry, a glamping industry, which is supposed to be a, you know, form of like luxury based camping, uh, and even, you know, hoteliers, boutique operations, uh, resorts, things like that. So all in that space, or even large scale Airbnb type operations, you see people who essentially are renting out units on a nightly basis, and the units that they're renting out fall into really two broad spectrums. On one end, you have you know, basically the canvas topped elements like the tents and yurts and things like that, that, you know, people have seen and heard of for decades. They've been around forever and there have been some advancements on that side, but it's still, you know, a tent. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you would have that tiny home element, uh, which are great. But what we discovered is uh, over the last several years, my co-founder and I, who also has a background in housing, uh, there was really nobody capturing that middle ground where you could have something that would be less expensive than a tiny home, yet have all of the amenities and necessities that you need in a home, but be more, uh, you know, operable than say a tent, even, you know, regardless of its luxury, you needed something for all four seasons. And what the feedback we kept hearing over and over again at previous stops were, we want a restroom, we want a shower, we want a kitchen, we want all these things. And we want, it needs to be a hard top because it needs to mm. accommodate all four seasons. So Scott and I, my co-founder, uh, thankfully he is a brilliant engineer and he came up with this incredible design for Vika, uh, what we have on the market right now. And so what we've done is we have basically uh, focused on that middle ground. So our unit 
answers all of the wish list of the people, uh, what they're looking for. It's a hard top. It's beautiful. It has the restroom, shower, bed, furniture, all these things, the kitchen, even it comes with a deck, uh, HVAC, all of it. So all of those necessities are built in. It can have the ability to go off grid, which is important to people. Uh, and then the, the whole green element, which is fantastic. But it comes in at about a fourth the cost of a typical ADU. So mm -hmm. depending on how it's configured, uh, you know, right now it's about you know forty to fifty thousand, mm -hmm. uh, including uh, including delivery fees. So that's a far cry better than say spending one hundred and fifty thousand on a tiny home plus yeah. having to do permanent foundations and renting cranes and you know all these heavy machinery. So we focused on that, but at the same time, and this is where we get really uh, passionate about it. We knew that we were building something that could help a lot of people. Mm. And why not take that exact same approach and the exact same ingenuity and all the you know feature comforts and all these things and apply it to a humanitarian application. And so if you think uh, disaster relief, you know, emergency shelters and transitional housing, things like that, we're doing that simultaneous. So the people, the businesses that are purchasing these to rent out on a nightly basis, beautiful fit. There's a great, you know, great business persona there. But then on the humanitarian side, we get to help cities, NGOs, you know, all these groups that are in desperate need of housing solutions for that emergency shelter and temporary transitional space. So we're happy to step into that and, and put our focus there. So that's what we're focusing on right now. And we are just now coming to market. That's uh, a really fun time for us. Amazing. I am I'm excited just hearing all of this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. We get really fired up about it and we are okay. we're blessed to be in the in the situation that we're in and this you know it Vika Living it's another example of something I touched on before where it's kind of a, a culmination of our collective experiences mm -hmm. to get us to this point where you know we are a little over a year old as a company but we were able to accelerate our growth and our process because we were able to learn from prior experiences, you know, leverage that experience into, you know, creating a process that is more efficient, that works, that focuses on the needs that are out there and all of that. So we were able to do it far more efficiently, which gets us to this point where we can help people sooner. Yeah. So Jeff, you know, just hearing all of this and, you know, you said uh, you're a year in, <clears throat> it's a couple of questions. Yeah. So do you, are you thinking about going global or is it national? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will absolutely be international. We've already had conversations with five, five or six different groups in, in, in five or six different countries. And what's also been interesting about that is a few of those have followed up and said, if you get to the point where you would entertain this conversation, we'd also like to talk to you about, uh, you know, being an extension of Vika Living and opening up, you know, manufacturing facilities here because we want so much of it. Um, and that was not something that we had anticipated, you know, originally, but it definitely highlights that there is a need globally, not just in the U.S., which we had, you know, assumed going into it. So we have every intention of, of being international. We're probably, you know, at some point in 2023, we'll probably start shipping internationally, though we don't know exactly when that'll be yet. Yeah. So, Jeff, I mean, you've talked about the design as in, you know, you've talked about the product being, the, you know, the home or the house and, sure. you know, the design of it and, and so forth. But behind all of that is a leader and that's you and, you know, your, your, your partners as well. Mm -hmm. 
tell us a little bit more about how you and assuming you've got a team or if you don't or how how you're actually bringing all these people within your ecosystem to enable your vision yeah that's a that's a really good question and this is this has been true at, at prior stops as well I, I think overall there's a focus that you need to have if you're going to be the leader of a company to me, it always starts with what is the company's mission? You know, what is our vision? You know, what are we trying to accomplish and how do we want to accomplish that? Because that then informs the culture of your company, which I think is paramount. If you have a toxic culture, uh, if you're not even tapping into the full potential of your culture, then you're never going to, you know, exceed expectations or, or realize a, a full potential. So you have to spend time and make the effort to decide what kind of team are we going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's truly how you need to look at it, that you are a team. You know, sir, you have a, a leadership role. You have responsibilities, great responsibilities that, that come with that. And those should never be ignored or, or diminished. But you have to operate as a team. You know, the, the person that is, is brand new and, and working at an entry-level position is just as important as what the CEO is doing. Mm -hmm. And when you have that approach and when you place that type of value, you know, on your people, it goes a long way. And I've seen examples, uh, fortunately, in my career, I've, I've been a part of that where it just works beautifully and you know it when you're in it and you see the results of it. And I've been a part of a company where that wasn't the case. And I watched that company, you know, fall apart. And, and it's a shame because it impacted thousands of people and, and they could have been a, a you know, multi-billion dollar organization, uh, but they failed at the culture aspect. They failed, you know, across the board in leadership. So that's how it starts. And so when you are onboarding new hires, it's important to have those conversations uh, about outlining, you know, what are the core values of your company? What are the expectations? Uh, you know, here's, here's what we expect of ourselves. Here's what we expect of you. Yeah. And people, when they have that set of expectations outlined up front, well, then that can eliminate, you know, future frustrations because there are no surprises. But then the other part of it is, is that you have to continue to foster that and cultivate, you know, that environment and that culture and, and stay with it. And, uh, and thankfully, you know, when you have leaders, anybody that's in a leadership position that really buys into that mm. and they believe it and they're passionate about it and they, they live it, well, then it's not, it's not a hard task. It, it's just second nature, you know, it becomes natural. And then the work becomes far more enjoyable and the results uh, end up speaking for themselves. Because in my experience, when that happens, Profits go up, morale is up, you know, yeah. everybody wins. So why wouldn't you do it this way? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, you know, I completely subscribe to that uh, philosophy. And I, I actually see that with, uh, with many of the companies that I work with. And I also had my own set of experiences as well. And, you know, you were describing about setting that vision, that mission, um, you know, aligned values, uh, but there was also certain things that you mentioned around, you know, fostering the culture mm -hmm. and fostering the culture in, in my view is also about, um, you know, the habits and that rhythm and, you know, that, that, that 
that ways of working and sure. communicating at all times uh, because I find I, I, you know, and it's refreshing Jeff to, to to be speaking with you when you speak about you know leadership and 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 how how you engage with uh, with with your team as well many many leaders tend to be so focused on the technical aspect and it's very important yeah you talk about strategy, for example, you talk about product, you talk about whether it's uh, what's a hardcore product or whether it's a service or a, or a, a, a software, whatever it is, but really focused on that as opposed to the people side of things, which then automatically starts generating what you need later on. Do you, right. do, you do you find that as, uh, as, as a critical component? Without a doubt. It, if you do not have, if you do not have the people, if you're not investing in your people, I just don't see, I've never experienced it. And I don't see, you know, maybe just a handful of examples of that being a successful outcome. You know, it's, and there's something that somebody said to me a long time ago, and, and I think this also highlights a, a healthy culture in a company. Leadership in a leadership role is not in a title. Mm. And so that's another thing that I found early in my career. I, I naturally, I, I did not have a, you know, typical and on one stop uh, early on in my career, I didn't have a typical, you know, title that would, you know, give me that automatic recognition of, oh, that's a leader. But I conducted myself in a way that how I always have, where I just take ownership of my work and I try to help all the people around me just because I, I enjoy that. I like seeing people, uh, you know, reach their potential and I just I gravitate towards helping others. And I think that's because that's how I was raised. And that's you know the examples you know that I was given over and over as a child. So when I did that, I was told, wow, you know, people were responding, like all the people in my department were responding and they were coming to me with their issues versus going to, you know, the EVP or, you know, whoever technically they were supposed to go to. And people recognized that. And so I had the support and, and the camaraderie and the loyalty, basically, of all of these people within this company, even though I didn't have the title. Mm. And so I started learning these lessons early on that, it's so important to, you can be a leader and you can be a role model and you can have a massive impact in a company, regardless of what your title is. Yeah. And I think when you allow that in an organization and not feel threatened by that, I mean, everybody wins. Like if you see somebody that's thriving in their role and they're, and they're doing more, achieving more than what their job description outlines, good for them and good for your company. Yeah. You know, there's your next promotion. And those, and so I've always taken that philosophy of let's promote from within if we can you know if, if there's an opportunity to create a, a new a position or an opportunity of growth I want to look at the team that I already have first and if possible promote from within that group and then continue uh, you know to to you know cheer them on and, and support them and, and give those opportunities I, I love that stuff yeah excellent let's let's talk a little bit briefly about the macro trends that's happening here we know we've got our economic economic situation our yeah. shocks in the economy and and you know we're coming in and out of the pandemic uh, it's not completely gone out but what what are you seeing as challenging in the business world or in your industry um that's influenced by these macro challenges economy yeah there are a few key components to that so for 
let's just say in multiple industries, because I'm also, uh, I advise a few other companies outside of mine, uh, which I really enjoy because I, I like giving back and, and it gives me an opportunity to get to know some really extraordinary people um, and, and see perspectives from multiple industries. From that role, from that perspective and seeing multiple industries, one thing that the pandemic I think has impacted more than anything else is uh, workforce culture and workforce location. Uh, and those, you know, are not mutually exclusive. So remote working obviously has uh, really grown uh, over the last few years because of the pandemic. Um, somebody like myself, I was working remotely prior to that. So I had already figured out my rhythms and routines and, and how to make that work. But a lot of companies right now are facing, um, you know, some hardship in some ways and some challenges in other ways, because how do they how do they balance uh, these newfound uh, obstacles of, you know, half my workforce or more are working from their homes. A lot of people are really enjoying that. And I completely understand. But at the same time, as a corporation, as a, as a company, small, medium or large, you have to balance that with productivity. And a lot of them are figuring it out and doing very well. Um, and then how do you continue to, to cultivate great, uh, you know, relationships and, and team chemistry and, mm -hmm. you know, that company culture if people aren't together? And so that's a challenge that I'm seeing. That's been really interesting. In my industry, uh, on the hardware side of things, what we're seeing is um, probably the largest impact would be on cost of goods, of course, which everyone, you know, is experiencing. Um, you know, even from six months ago, the, the cost of our parts that, that we have to use as we're building our units have gone up. Um, I don't think there's a single component of what we do that has not seen an increase in price. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we have great relationships with our vendors. And so we've been able to minimize, you know, how that, um, how that impacts our pricing. But still, it's, it's something that, that we face. The other thing that companies are facing right now in the economy, if you are in that startup, if you're a capital, um, you know, based company, it's harder to fundraise right now than it was even a few months ago because people are concerned about the inflation. You know, the VCs are concerned about you know what's happening with the global economy, uh, rightfully so, of course. But uh, investment dollars are not dried up, but slowing down, and so that that capital is harder to come by uh, today than it was before. And, and that's a great challenge for a lot of companies. Yeah, amazing. So I'm hearing, you know, you've got a full suite of commitment, business commitments. So Jeff, tell, tell us how, you know, what does a day in the life of Jeff look like, you know, morning to evening? <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the things that helps keep me balanced and focused, because for me, I, I'm a creature of habit. So I, I have to have a daily you know, routine and there's a certain structure around all of my days, uh, probably more than anything that, that helps me stay focused and in a routine. And that is the fact that uh, I have a wife and two young kids at home that, uh, you know, they're, they're school aged. And so we have already naturally, you know, routines of the day. And so I start a little before 6 a.m. And I the, the morning hours I really enjoy because I'm with my daughters and helping them get ready for school and, and driving them to school. And uh, then, you know, and I've got that time with them and my wife, which is great. And it's, it's uninterrupted. But then that also allows me to get an early start on my work day. And that begins with Typically, the first part of the day, I'm doing a lot of uh, either research or prep for something big that is coming up. I basically use that as kind of my, 
my me time for for work my my calendar is almost always blocked off in those morning hours because i set that aside for that and then with the my partner and my co-founder in vika living he lives and works in los angeles where our headquarters and factory are and so he's you know three hours earlier than me on the time zone and and so he starts his day uh with a phone call with me where we have a, a daily meeting which i think is great for anybody any team that's doing that you have to have those those meetings those benchmarks uh to kind of keep you on track and then from there, a lot of my day is spent in uh, conversation with people who are interested in purchasing Vika, uh, which is great. I, I love the opportunity. I get to speak to people from all over the world. Right now, it's mostly in the U.S., but a lot of international calls coming in and hearing about how people want to use you know, those units and, and what they're going to do. Um, I'd mentioned before, I advise a few other companies that typically I spend a few hours a week, uh, you know, doing that, but those are fun. Those are great conversations. And I really love, uh, speaking into whatever their needs are and helping them figure out, uh, you know, what needs to happen next and problem solve and, and troubleshoot stuff. That's really enjoyable. And then I do a lot of philanthropic work, um, primarily in the anti-trafficking um, and, and modern day slavery spaces. And that's that's been something I've been a part of for many years and I'm very passionate about. And um, so from time to time, if, if certain events come up, I'm, I'm meeting with various congressmen and senators uh, supporting legislative efforts to combat that from a U.S. perspective. And, and those are fun projects to work on. But there's a certain fluidity to my day, uh, depending on what the need is, uh, but that overall structure, you know, starting early in the morning, uh, mm -hmm. family time, then getting busy with work. And then some days I'm working till 9 p.m. Uh, some days I'm not. And then sometimes I'm working on weekends. Sometimes I'm not. It just depends on, on where the need is. But if you are starting a company, you have to have that level of commitment. You know, you have to be able to put in that time. And, and you know, I try to keep Sundays completely blocked off for my family and I and and really make the most of it there. But yeah, that's, you know, you have to have flexible hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just going to ask, I mean, it's it's quite, quite a lot, but I'm, you know, I heard commitment, but um, there's also a level of conscious organization of, how you're managing your day your week yeah um it sometimes it does tend to go off the rails with many business leaders because they focus on one thing and really try to get a lot out of it and 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 you know depending on the time and phase that they're in it might be needed but it's it's important to have that balance as much as possible yeah balance. It, exactly as much as possible and then i find that prioritizing you know the needs of of everything um that's important. And you have to, or at least for me anyway, I've gotten much better at that throughout my career and especially over the last five or six years or so. And I think that has really been accelerated by being a part of a few different startup companies. And, and when you are a leader in a startup, you inevitably um, have the responsibilities of, you know, 15 different jobs. Mm -hmm. And so you, you're doing a lot of different things, but learning how to prioritize things in a way in which it supports your strategy. And if you're prioritizing in a way where, okay, does this meeting get me to this goal faster or does it get me there slower? You know, and if it's not getting you there faster, well, then maybe it needs to get moved back in your schedule a little bit. Um, and so if you start looking at things through that lens, but it's 
very important that you take time for yourself and for your family. And so like, you know, for me, I, I have a family and so I can't, I have to also pay attention to that, of course, but anyone that has a family and they're a leader in a company, you have to understand that your family in a way is a part of that. Um, and so, you know, if you're early on in a company in a startup, they are sacrificing just as much as you are uh, and they are a part of it. And it's good to have that family time and that time to just kind of decompress. And so I always advise people and I remind myself of this, you know, take time to do something that you love, take time to just, you know, breathe and just be, uh, you know, meditate, exercise, you know, pray, you know, whatever, whatever it is that that really centers you and and gives you calm and gives you focus. Don't ever lose that. And you have to sometimes schedule that. And, and, and if and if you feel like that's what you need to do to make it happen, well, that's what you do then. Uh, but be intentional about it and it'll go a long way. Yeah. Excellent. Jeff, we're coming to a close very shortly. Any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders that you want to uh, to give here? I would say what energizes me the most about, about leaders in today's business world, because I feel like there are so many changes that are evolving right now in, in business in general. And there's just globally with all of the all of the issues that all of our communities and cultures are, are facing, there's an opportunity for business and business leaders to step into some of these problems and really affect change mm -hmm. and, and have a meaningful impact on things. And I, I feel like too often for-profit businesses overlook how much of a positive impact they can have on their communities yet still be for-profit businesses. And so I just encourage people to, to find areas in which they can do some good and, and help others and support your teams and make sure that, that the team that you are, uh, that you are working with, that, that you're supporting them, that, that you're focusing on that. And then that'll create positive energy and, and a better outcome. And um, yeah, just don't be afraid to give back and, and give more of yourself to, to other people. And it'll be the most rewarding thing that, that you can do in a given day. Yeah, wonderful, powerful challenge to leaders and companies. Thank you very much, Jeff, for being with us today. Oh, and, you're welcome. Uh, sharing your journey and all your insights. Um, wonderful. Thank you very much. That was a pleasure. I, I really appreciate your podcast and, and your efforts in doing all of this and all of the people that you bring on. It's it's a great opportunity to hear, you know, varying perspectives from all over the world. And I, I just think that's fantastic. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, folks, thank you for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode on the chairperson of a startup board and what it means to be on a board in a startup company. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader, and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards, and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that, but what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you 
to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board, and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So, click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.